0: Hello and welcome to another episode of the Daktari Online Medcast. This is the final of three diabetes episodes we have in partnership with Novartis. In this episode, we focus on the management of diabetes using case discussions. Our speakers are Dr. Hilda Nabiswa, a physician endocrinologist, and Professor Paul Ngugi, a diabetes expert with experience spanning 34 years. Remember that this episode counts for two CPD points with the Kenya Medical Practitioners and Dentist Council.
1: Hi, and welcome to the third module of Diabetes Connects, courtesy of Novartis. Today we are going to be discussing a lot about diabetes and uh, we have a very, very special guest with us today who is actually one of the key pillars of diabetes management not only in Kenya, but also in Africa. My name is Dr. Hilda Nabiswa, and I'm an endocrinologist and uh, diabetes specialist. And I currently work at Kenyatta National Hospital in Odaya. And with me, I would like our uh, eminent guest to introduce
0: himself. Good evening, uh, listeners or viewers. My name is Dr. Ngugi. Uh, like Hilda said, i older than her. And I've been uh, doing a lot of diabetes work for the last 34 years. Upwards. <laughs> so, what is for this opportunity? Because we realize there is a... Uh, knowledge gaps in the country and as our cases if those cases will show as we go on
1: thank you so much Prof. so we'll jump right into it um we have a few cases that we have for discussion today and um i will start with us looking at case one so prof Case one is a 57 year old lady who's been on management for diabetes for the past five years with metformin one gram twice daily and glibenclamide five milligrams twice daily. And this is a very common prescription, especially out there um, in this country. There are many, many, many patients on this kind of prescription it has been referred to us because of alternating high and low sugar levels. She says that low sugar levels mostly happen when she's in the shamba during the day and has been taken to hospital twice because of this. Nowadays, she has resorted to taking frequent snacks <coughs> to avoid hypoglycemic episodes. The glibenchlamide was once stopped, but when she went to clinic and her sugars were found to be high, she was started on it again and told to take snacks frequently. And now she has gained five kilos in the past one year. So, prof... Um what do you think about this kind of lady? Is this something that is common?
0: This is very common. I, I yeah. think I have a short story I'd like to give. Please do. long time ago, the, one of my oldest clients was picked from the Shamba.
2: Yeah. Broad KNH mm.
0: in hypoglycemia. Yeah. Passed from Ruero, passed to health centers, and they never made a diagnosis of hypoglycemia. Oh, hypo. Wow. By the time she came, she was comatose. Mm. Of course, uh, we were able to reverse her. But it's a very common story and the the bad thing about it is that other than the patient not knowing what to do themselves where they go to the hospitals people do not know what to do and that is a tragedy Mm -hmm. so I think this case is very important in that it highlights the the hypoglycemia I have lost patients and have patients with brain damage one young man went to drink took his medicine and twenty-four hours, I think twenty-four to that, six hours, they had not seen. It. So they broke the door. The guy was on the floor again with the hypoglycemia. Wow, so it's a serious event. Yeah. And the the management of hypoglycemia is pretty easy. Yeah. If you knew how.
2: Yeah.
0: And I think this is something that uh, narratives of patients should be taught. Patients themselves should be taught. Yeah. But more so, teacher, Teaching of patients when they go into the shamba, they must carry food with them. Yes. And since we tell them to eat every 12 hours, mm. so you cannot be in the shamba from eight to twelve noon and you have not eaten anything. Yeah. So can, they can carry a cup of porridge,
2: mm.
0: leftovers from the night before.
2: Yeah. Some bread. Yeah.
0: Some sweet potatoes, mm. some marrow roots, but they must carry something to the shamba.
2: Yeah.
0: And then when they leave the shamba. This is not the time to go and start cooking gilderi or cooking ugari because you have wiki. Food should be ready on time. Yeah. And that's what's important when you're taking medicine for diabetes. Mm. Those medicines do not stop dropping your sugar because mm. you're hungry. Mm. It keeps on going down. Yes. So food must be eaten on time. Yeah. I think that's the take home message here yeah, that food must be eaten on time. Yeah. But there is another thing that comes up in this case, and that's the variability
2: mm.
0: sugar dropping
2: and then sugar going up again. Yes. And we
0: know now that variability of sugar levels. Is one of the indicators of bad outcome. Yeah. Mortality, death, Mm. and complications. Mm. So at most, you want to treat your patients who have very stable sugars, Mm -hmm. not up and down. One wonders, uh, some of these are drugs that we are using now, Mm. they have very long half-life. Yes. Whether they will be ideal in some patients, because I think the other thing is how do you select your patients? Mm. And every patient has, has uh, different qualities Yeah. some are elderly mm. these drugs that take too long in your body may be the long drugs to use mm. and others are short and they may be nice for, <coughs> for patients who are their weight mm. is an issue and the incubation yeah. is an issue mm. this is a very interesting thing because sometimes uh, in our society sometimes getting 5 kilos something sticking taken as a very nice thing <laughs> people think you're doing very well <laughs>
2: Uh, yeah, but that's that on
0: the right touch. That uh, <laughs> we must always be conceived or uh, consider the, the drugs that do not make
1: people gain. You actually, you know, prof, when you say that, I've actually had patients who come to the clinic and tell me, uh, Dactari, especially women yes. who tell me, dactyri, please, I cannot lose any more weight. Yes, so when I tell them, you know, part of diabetes management is you need to lose weight, they refuse. They're like, no, my husband wants me this and he, size.
0: And no, I think there is a lot of debate. We don't have a serious weight problem in this republic. Mm. Maybe in the city, but up country, even those people who have diabetes, they do not have. We do not because of the food weight. Yeah. But I think weight becomes a serious issue when you're in urban centers. Yeah. There is high carbohydrate, Mm -hmm. high fat diet, and gross obesity.
2: Yeah.
0: And then there is lack of exercise. Yes. Because imagine this lady goes to the shamba. She's unlikely to be morbidly obese. Yes. So, the gain of 5 kilos, do not forget that people lose weight because they have bad control.
2: Yeah.
0: If, you, if the sugar control is very bad, you're going to be wasted. Yes. When the sugar gets up, well controlled, you may gain a few kilos. Yes. The thing is, discuss with the patient what is the ideal gain. Mm. Because if I was 40 kilos and I'm supposed to have a healthy weight of 70, mm. and I come to 60, I should not worry about that.
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: So, look at the background. Of where somebody is coming from. Mm. Yeah.
1: So it always is a trajectory. So we need to keep in mind and not just focus on the current weight gain. No. Okay. Yes. Okay. Just
0: ask yourself, where are you coming from? Okay. Because I always tell my patient now that uh, you have come, you have lost like 20 kilos. Mm. Your ideal weight is maybe 75. Yeah. Now you are 60. Mm. When you start treating, because now you start retaining the calories. Yes. Because when sugar is high, you are losing calories. Yes. You lose calories you're going to lose weight yes sometimes you get unhealthy thing. yeah so you gain some weight and then you still something now here is that one
1: yeah and prof i would like you to comment on um, the choice of sulfonylurea because of late we've been seeing a lot of other newer generation sulfonylureas and perhaps out there in the periphery the only one they have is the chlamide. so the, the the question is is there one that is superior and if so how is it superior are we are we going to move from glibenclamide to other sulfonylureas because of any advantage?
0: I think there are no studies that says one area is better than the
1: other. Mm-hmm.
0: Some companies would like to say that, but there is no real literature that says one is better than the other. Yeah. However, the choice of the area will be dependent on what are your goals. Mm. One, if you want to give treatment because that's the basic treatment somebody can afford, yeah, the bebenchromide is very cheap, yes, and so the whole republic in the rural countries is yes. the right
2: drug of choice, yes.
0: Now, other when you come to the urban and people are a little bit wealthy, there are other things that are more areas that are more exotic, mm. but whether they give a difference in treatment, results, and outcome, mm. there is not real data, yeah. Now, the problem with bebenchromide is in the very elderly, mm. it's a bit tricky because of the hypoglycemia. Yes. And the and because the hypoglycemia is more in that group. The other short acting, they're not so areas, but uh like night. Yes. They have a very short half-life mm-hmm. and they have less hypoglycemic effect. Yes. All the others, the Pride, the grecide. They have their own hypoglycemia. yeah mm. in terms of uh, hb1 c reduction, again, there's no data, yes what we know is that softening as a group bring down your hb one c by one point five mm. so mm. there's no one that says that this one can bring your hb1 c down by two they are either lumps but yes. I think one should be very careful
2: mm-hmm.
0: when using softening in the elderly yes, patients with renal disease. Mm-hmm. Because the risk of hypoglycemia is quite severe. Mm
1: -hmm. So I think that's a very good take-home point, especially for our listeners, that anyone who has a high risk of hypoglycemia, remember, even as we treat diabetes, we have to look at the safety parameters. And one of them is hypoglycemia. If your patient has recurring hypoglycemia or gets hypoglycemia, try and avoid any drug that might lead to that. And also encourage them to change their lifestyle. Like Prof just said, let them carry a snack. Let them uh, adapt to the environment in a way that they can understand and live with hypoglycemia. And also teach them about recognizing hypoglycemia. Because like Prof's case, where even the healthcare workers were not recognizing that this was hypoglycemia. So it's very important that uh, hypoglycemia is recognized. So we should always teach our, our, our patients the signs and symptoms of hypoglycemia. Do you think we do that well enough? No, we
0: don't, and it's not even the patients. Yeah. What, what I always say once one member of the family has diabetes, yeah, everybody in that homestead should must not. act like they have diabetes. Mm. They should have the knowledge.
2: Yeah,
0: that patient has the knowledge. The health educators want to impart. Mm. So, like, it's not a man alone who has diabetes. It's him and his wife and his two. And children. the children, yeah. So it is important. The other thing I I would like to answer about hypoglycemia. Yeah. Because I think people think hypoglycemia is just a bit of low sugar. Mm. What we know now is hypoglycemia is a very deadly thing. Yes. It increases mortality mm. and morbidity. More mortality and risk of sudden death. Yeah. So we should avoid hypoglycemia in all ways possible. Yeah. From education, both from the doctors, mm. nutritionists, and yeah. community workers, everybody getting
1: involved. Yeah. yeah. And actually, that's a good point that um, we actually can even have, um, you'd rather the patient have higher sugars.
0: A little bit sometimes, yes. Yeah.
1: Sometimes. You would even want them to have sugars of maybe even up to 11 because you're trying to avoid that sugar too.
0: And especially mm. what you mentioned, people with recurrent hypo. Yes. There's a situation we call hypoglycemia unawareness. Yes. When you get a hypo, and you get another one,
2: yeah.
0: then you become unable to detect a hypo Yes, you get a situation called hypoglycemia unawareness.
2: Awareness. It yes. yes. means you'll be
0: standing, talking like we're talking now, and, and you fall down and you're flat out. Yeah. Now to avoid that situation, you have to treat to keep sugars above ten for some time. Mm. So that people can recover from that. Yeah. yeah. So
1: with time, they can be able to get the the awareness back. if Yes. yes. Oh, okay. Yeah. That is a very good point. Thank you, Prof. Um, Now, the last part is the role of self-monitoring of blood glucose because we have a huge problem, especially in uh, Mashinani, where patients come and the only sugar they have is the sugar for the clinic day. So you really sometimes have no idea what's going on during the month or the three months they've been away. What do you think is uh, a way in which we can help to reduce costs and the burden on the patient, but at the same time we still at least are able to do some monitoring from home?
0: I think this is very important and I'm grateful that uh, we seem to be be moving in the right direction.
2: Yeah.
0: That uh, there are more glucometers available.
2: Yeah.
0: I remember one time when I was training and I was being Told by my, my trainers that uh, there used to be a, a strip. We used to use color codes, mm. even sugar levels were color coded. Mm. That uh, if it's over 20, the strip would turn to another color. Mm. So, patients were cutting strips, but this is not even in Kenya, it was in Australia.
2: Oh, wow! They cut
0: the strip, they share a strip, yes, cut a strip. on the uh, half, half. So, oh, you can wow. test your blood and you so, uh and compare uh-huh. but we have come from far yeah but still i think the penetration of uh, meters in our society is still very bad yeah. but i think if uh the way i see it now it's, patients should be encouraged let's say in a village mm. you are like 50 people or 20 people with diabetes mm. then whoever is selling meters sell to those 20 people when mm. they buy the strips as a group yeah then within themselves they can be deciding who is holding the meter we can go there and test
2: yeah
0: and that i think is how it's going to help us because Mm -hmm. there are two companies in this country now that are giving meters for free Mm -hmm. but the strips for 50 it's like fifty thousand. yes that's not cheap
2: yeah
0: but you see if if you're five and you bought that for for that price then maybe it could go around yes Mm Then the other issue is about taxation yeah I think meters should be tax-free indeed and even strips should be tax-free yes but there is a problem now <clears throat> it has not been designed that how kri is supposed to deal with this issue mm. they've not given another direction mm. because that's going to help yeah but meters can be given free and the strips should be sold but not tax
2: yeah
0: then the the, uh, the associations that deal with diabetes mm. i Get diabetes kenya mm. and even counties themselves should have their own diabetes association groups that looks after those patients in those counties mm. with diabetes mm. socially and then we the professionals can then go and talk to them and re-educate them mm. as county intensive education problems
1: yeah
0: and then See how to mobilize the resources, mm. both monetary and human. Yeah.
1: yeah. Yeah. I think that's a very fantastic idea. It's almost like a self help group for people with diabetes yes. and then also linking with the county, linking with the doctors. Yes. That's a fantastic <coughs> idea. So, in terms of policy, I hope that soon KRA will re- re- remove tax. From the meters and strips so it's up to us as healthcare workers who also sometimes push for the these lobby. things yeah and lobby so thank you prof those are very good insights and um, back uh, at home listener wherever you are please ensure that your patient is aware of the role of self monitoring of blood glucose encourage your patients even if it means going to a small clinic even if it's just two times in a week sometimes I know that cost can be an issue but even if it's two times in a week Testing sugar is 50 shillings. That would be 100 shillings in a week. It's not too bad. It can still help uh, the patient and you would have a better idea as to what the sugar actually is at home. So I think we've gone through quite a bit and um, hopefully when we get the questions later on, we can answer them. Uh, At this point, uh, we can move to the second case. Let me read it and then we can discuss it. So the second case is a 45-year-old newly diagnosed diabetic patient who comes in after attending a health camp where he was told his sugars were elevated at 28 millimoles per liter. He has now been referred to clinic for further management. He has a strong family history of diabetes and his father died from diabetes-related complications. He is also worried about cost because his father's treatment was very strenuous to the family. His father was also started on insulin and died four months after the initiation of insulin and so he's very scared that if he starts on insulin he will die so prof uh first of all health camps i'm sure you've you've um, been you've done quite a number of health camps and they are they are a good way of getting new clients yes. but how do we best uh make sure that we get them and are Able to keep them, educate them because I feel that that sometimes we lack that, it's like a one off thing with them.
0: Uh, it's good that you mentioned health camps. Personally, I think health, health camps are, are political, <laughs>
2: political vehicles. So, <laughs> what
0: you have said, yeah, that you do a health camp and you diagnose somebody with diabetes,
2: yeah,
0: then at sunset you get into your cars and drive off, yes. Uh, I just find it very funny that, yeah. uh You will tell him now go to this hospital,
2: Mm.
0: and then you give them the tablets that you've been given by drug companies, yes, and leave it at that.
2: Yeah,
0: if you've been to a health camp, you'd be having like 200 patients queuing outside that door,
2: yeah,
0: so you don't even have time to give him stories,
2: yeah. Yeah. The
0: only issue is that when you're doing a health camp, is how you what's it, channel those patients appropriately. Mm. Later on, I think when we, used to, because literally no use do camps every constituency.
2: Mm.
0: whereby well, we, we had a very nice arrangement.
2: Yeah,
0: uh, Safaricom would sponsor it. Mm-hmm. The MP of the region would give us a hundred k, and we went literally the whole public.
1: Wow, all the constituencies.
0: Oh, literally. Wow, yeah. I mean we've got Madara, Ghana, yeah. Kisi, mm. Kisumu, everywhere. We mm. literally went everywhere. We had a Kenya Map at DMI. Mm. Something we've done. And we picked very many. But unfortunately, the follow up isn't there. Mm. And uh, sometimes I think if you're going to do a camp, it should be decentralized. Yes. That if you're the organization that's funding the camps, go and fund the doctors from that place, mm. the nurses from that yes. place. Yes. Let them go. Because they themselves will take responsibility. Yes. If you see somebody with very bad sugars, you tell them come and see your money. Yes. Your responsibility. Mm. As opposed to big people from Nairobi going there. Going
1: there, then leave <laughs> them with their problems and yes, come back. Yes,
0: yes, yes. Mm. So, so uh...
1: That's good insight there, Prof. Mm. Um, so now we get into the case of this patient. So this mm. is someone who... <laughs> has uh, newly diagnosed diabetes and the question is once they come to clinic for the first time after they've been discovered to have diabetes um, what are the tests that you'd encourage anyone even the one in Machinani, which are the important tests that have to be done for
0: such a patient uh, there are many tests that you like to do yeah of course you'd like to find out uh, these patients are uh, under comorbidities mm. But Most important, other than the blood sugar, you want to find out because remember, patients with type 2 diabetes, like this person,
2: yeah,
0: 30 percent of them have complications at diagnosis. Yes, some of them will have eye disease, yes, diabetes eye disease, mm. number of them will have kidney disease,
2: yeah,
0: a number of them will have heart disease. Yeah, so what I'm saying is that uh, a proper eye examination must be done that mm. means a referral to an eye doctor, a mm. lino exam that includes. Urine testing for protein, mm. protein. Mm. ULEs, uh, creatinine, urea must be done. Yeah. The test that we don't do often, an ECG and a an heart assessment must be done. Yes. Not not forgetting that a could ultrasound should also be done to find out how the peripheral blood is flowing. Mm. So those things should be done initially. Yeah. But before you do that, because I think this case is a very pertinent issue. Yes. That's a fear, fear of patients. Yes. Many times when patients are diagnosed with diabetes, Mm. some of them will start crying.
2: Yeah.
0: (laughs) Because of what you've said, my father had diabetes, he died at 54. Mm. Now I'm 48. Mm. What are you telling me? Am I going to die in a few years' time? Mm. And it doesn't matter who it is. Doctors, bankers, lawyers, they they will break down. Yeah. So, the first thing that is important when you make a new diagnosis is to sit down. I used to be taught by mm. my teachers that if a newly diagnosed diabetes leaves your clinic in less than 30 minutes, you've done a bad job.
1: <laughs> you need to spend time with them.
0: That first time.
1: Yeah.
0: You need to demystify diabetes. Yes.
1: yes.
0: You need to go back and explain what is diabetes. Yeah. You need to tell them that people live with that. It is yeah. normalized when they, mm. they do well. Yes. You need to, to start, and sometimes we think <coughs> we patients are not intelligent. Mm. <coughs> we want to patronize and whatever. Mm. Tell them the stuff as it is. Yes. Have a simple, what's it? Is it some, some simple thing we used to use. Uh, let's use it a lot in my, where you are explaining the. the process of sugar mm. from your stomach yes. to your cells yes. and where the blockage is. Yes. So then they understand the value of insulin mm. vis-a-vis allowing sugar to enter into your cells to give mm. metabolism. Mm. Yeah. Then, and this I'm not saying dietitian, I would not use people. In that moment, also go through diet, maybe not as detailed as a dietitian would, mm. but let them leave your office knowing yes. what is
2: that
0: yes? How do you eat? Mm. They will go to the dietitian, but surprisingly, they always come to you like, what did you tell me about? Yes, doma? That
1: is so true. They always
0: come to you so that mm. don't think doctors should not think they don't have a law in diet.
2: Yes, yes, they have a
0: very important role, <coughs> mm. simplified manner, mm. and again, they understand
2: diabetes, yes,
0: so they can and they understand food. Mm. So that's something that even in medical school, mm. like when I was teaching students, i asked them. Is a whole chapter on nutrition in mm. most internal medicine textbooks. Yes. And I asked my students, how many of you have opened that <laughs> chapter?
1: What was the figure? Less than 50%. Less
0: than 10%. Oh
1: my goodness.
0: <laughs> that chapter yes. on dietetics. Yes. On food.
1: Mm. It's not exciting. Yeah. No. Okay, I must confess, even me in undergrad, I'm guilty as charged.
0: Yes. So Right isn't... now I've
1: done it, but undergrad? Yes. Yeah.
0: So you see, mm. and that's something that, again, in, in medical school, mm. I think, because it's not only diabetes doctors who meet these patients. Mm. Maybe the first person seeing this patient is a surgeon. Yes. And and if if you tell a patient now, I found you of diabetes. Look for Dr. Ngugi and book an appointment. Mm. That whole night, the family is in trauma mm. because. They, they know you're a doctor. You can tell them that this says, Oh, I'm a cardiothoracic surgeon. You no, know that they don't want to know that. You call yourself a doctor. A doctor, yes. You should have to. You should tell me something. Yes. So I think it is important that all doctors who are, especially people who are now qualifying from medical school, mm. have this basic knowledge that they yeah. will impart to patients and they're not feign ignorance, mm. which is not a good defense. So I think all of us in the medical profession should be able to educate our patients. Yes. That first day. Yeah. That first time.
2: Yeah.
1: It
0: matters. How this patient is going to live for the rest, for the of, rest their life. of their lives that first day.
1: Wow! I think honestly we cannot even say this point better. You've heard it from Prof. That first day, take as much knowledge to this patient the first time you meet them. Less than thirty minutes, you said, yeah, is off. You have to do thirty minutes and. Plus minutes, plus yes. So if you have your practice has been less than thirty, you need to go back revisit. And maybe even talk again to your patients and find out what gaps are there. Because you need to spend time. And I really like that point. So, Prof, the other thing that comes up here is uh, the fear of insulin. This is a very common thing. People think of insulin, they think of death. People think of insulin, they think of hypo. How can we demystify insulin?
0: I'll tell you, Hilda, it's not easy. Mm. Not so long time ago. I hope they're not watching it. Ah!
1: <laughs> yes. One
0: of my very good friends. Mm. Educated <clears throat> you person. You've gone through the journey. HB1C was ten point two seven. Mm. Now, if you're going to achieve you no, know you go a lot of money on me and then they say, What do you mean? I'm going to start the incident? You ask that question. Mm. What do you mean? Mm. That your sugar cannot be controlled with tablets. Which tablets? Which other tablets do you have? <laughs> Did you try to explain. There are no other tablets that can do this. Mm. So that time you're having somebody or uh, the Kleenex, the soft tissue, they're crying. Mm. And it is tough. Yeah. I guess it would be tough to me as mm. well. but Even so, you. I guess it would be. Mm, yeah. Because I, I've never been in that situation, you know.
2: Mm, true.
0: But you know, it is what happened in the old days. The reason that this happened is that we used to play studying instruments to the very last moment. Mm. patients patient will have gone, they are there. When they come and you start in insulin, their kidneys have failed. Mm. They have infection on their, of their feet. Mm. They're getting amputated. Mm. People will blame what? The insulin. And I think, uh, uh, as a solution to this problem, I think we must have, what we call, discussed targets mm. in our patients. Yes. <coughs> And they should know the target that you escalate. And then you must tell them that we will escalate treatment mm. to attain this target. Yes. And you have to explain to them the target of HB1C of seven mm. is to protect their future. Yes. From the word go. Mm. They understand those targets. You have negotiated with them.
2: Yes. They have
0: understood mm. that these are the targets you must maintain. Mm. So every time you're going, to you tell them now we have reached HB1C of eight. Yeah. And our target is seven. Seven. We are taking this tablet, and we are not there. Mm. It's only one drug that can take us there. Insulin. insulin. That time they need good health.
2: Yeah.
0: They're not very sick. They mm. understand. Then, this, then you tell them that if you put your insulin now, your good health will be maintained. Yeah. So the delay of of insulin commencement by the practitioners, so the inertia both doctors and mm. patient have, mm. has not helped this. Yes. But then there's the other thing I was told that <clears throat> because you go through all that.
2: Yeah.
0: And to avoid that patient going to a doctor uh, Kamau mm. and be told, ah, Doctor Nguyen and Peter is mm. I'll give you tablets. And then they say And then they're like, This, they're this is... they, can, they can pay you double now <laughs> then, To avoid that happening,
2: yeah.
0: Once you decide somebody needs insulin, start it there. And so that they see it's not magic. Yes. So the, the fear of the needle gets over. Yeah. They will shake, but once they hold the pen and they, the the goes in and they say, Allah.
2: It's this easy.
0: This is it. mm. So do not do <coughs> you know, there's a practice that I think some doctors still have practice mm. of injecting oranges in the office so that the, the patient understands that's oh, easy. Mm. And that just creates apprehension. Yes. Let the patient inject themselves, themselves. there. Mm. Then they leave that <coughs> room knowing that.
2: It works. It works. And it's it's possible. And that
0: evening they'll sleep nicely, they'll not wake up many times. Mm. So they will also eat good thing. Mm. But they, have, they go two days, then they even go to Roliodo in Tanzania and get mm. the, the cup from Baba, <laughs> and Baba tells them it's one. So there are all those things that yes. happen. Yes. So I think it's uh, we study in a good time. Mm. And we, as a doctor,
1: take the patient out to visit. Yes. And I, I think you've raised a very good point about demystifying and letting them uh, interact with it from the word go. Yes. And the other thing that I've also seen help is using good language when it comes to insulin. Yes. Because sometimes you see us, uh, you have a patient who maybe ha- is on maximum drugs yes. or is headed to maximum drugs. Yes. Then now insulin is used as a threat. Unajua sasa tutaenda insulin. <laughs> you know, it looks like it's this...
0: It's bad language.
1: Bad, yeah. You know, very... It looks like this animal that shouldn't even be...
0: And then you are making yeah. the patient feel like they are a failure. Yeah,
1: exactly.
0: They, failed, they didn't listen to your orders. Yes. Like, you no. Know, you know that, uh, I would say, mm. that condescending attitude doctors mm. have on patients is very mm. bad. Mm. And that's why I said, I used the word negotiating target. Yes. Stagnant. Yes. But the patient is a equal participant yeah. in this process. Because mm. so you're going to be very learned. Mm. If the patient decides not to use your medicine. I mean, what
2: can
0: do? Yeah. Yes. So it's really good cool that I think doctors should start cultivating that issue of negotiating yeah. with patients mm. after giving information. So the patient is also now going to negotiate knowing this is what happened, this mm. is what happened. Mm. And then being very truthful yeah. to the
1: patient. Yeah. So a patient centered approach, which but, is actually where diabetes yes. is headed. As the 2022 guidelines tell us, yes. the patient is at the center. Yes. And the managing plan, it revolves yeah. around the, the patient. patient. Yes. Yeah, so that's a very good point, Prof. Um, so, we have <coughs> one more case to discuss, which has a lot of uh, um, discussion regarding, regarding complications of diabetes. So, let me just go through it. There's a 68-year-old male from Mandera with history of diabetes for the past 20 years. He's metformin, on metformin, 850 milligrams twice a day, and glibenclamide, 5 mg once a day. His sugar, the random sugar, is 16 uh, millimoles, and his Hb1c is 9.6%. And he comes in with a history of a stroke in 2018, but it's not on secondary prophylaxis. He has a lot of pain when walking and has had recurrent non-healing ulcers on the lateral aspect of his feet. On inspection, the dorsalis pedis pulses are absent. And a peripheral angiogram is done which shows complete occlusion of the right external iliac artery and obstruction of the left anterior tibial artery. So basically peripheral arterial disease in a patient who has already had a stroke, but somehow is not on secondary prophylaxis. So um, one thing that I would like to ask you, Prof, is how often um, do you see peripheral arterial disease in diabetes? And (coughs) do you get... Um, patients when they are advanced, do we do ABPI enough? Because many times I feel like we we wait for it to happen. We don't really do tests before. So what what's your take on peripheral arterial disease? When well, it it's a
0: very it's a very serious complication when it occurs. Yeah. Not so long time ago. I think uh, a few weeks ago. Yeah. We had a patient who came in with. Uh, blockage of uh, the, the internal iliac. Yes. And uh, unfortunately, the patient had a double amputation. So it is common.
2: Mm.
0: But even before you do, because the the the, the peripheral passes examination, ideological examination, these are services that are not available, mm. especially those patients in the periphery. Yeah. But a, a basic palpation with your fingers will tell you somebody who has a Mm. compromised arteries and requires uh, care. Mm. But also the issue of things like repeat lipid profile, cholesterol. And uh, how often do you do cholesterol in the peripheries? Mm. And uh, this is a situation where you find that the, the most Doctors have been in this situation whereby somebody is found to have high cholesterol. Mm. You put them on treatment, then the cholesterol comes to normal. Yeah. They go and see another doctor who tells them
2: Ah, this is a good... <laughs> then
0: they will stop to do the
2: next. Yes, yes. Very and, common. And
0: this is a doctor, another doctor who I think we probably we do not have, have enough yes. uniform knowledge.
2: Yeah.
0: But it's important that we know things like cholesterol. Cholesterol is a lifelong Issue yes, to not go because you've normalized it, normalize it. Mm. and then there are targets of cholesterol. Mm. The LDL cholesterol, what do you want? What level do you want it? Yeah, the labs in this country are not
2: standardized.
0: Yeah, there are some who say four is normal, mm. and what we know now from the studies done, those cholesterol levels, I think the ministry <clears throat> or the regulating agencies, the government in health. Should be in the front line yes. of saying the guidelines have changed and instructing all labs. These are the guidelines. Yes, all labs. There should mm. be a member from the somebody who is in the NCD desk in the yeah. use of Health to all labs. Mm. The LDL cholesterol is 2.5 or 1.9. Mm. That should be the number. Mm. It's nothing like one lab saying three Four. to five. Mm. Because <clears throat> I see patients when they find cholesterol is in the normal age. They don't even come to the clinic. Yeah. Ah, doctor, yeah,
2: yeah,
0: yeah, <laughs> so they don't come and see
2: Yes.
0: So I think the issue of managing mm. cholesterol is very important. And have yes. goals. Yeah. Of course, the other things that you must look at when mm. you're dealing with this type of patients mm. is other things that are uh, related to their vessels. Yes. Hypertension is important. Mm. You want to control it properly. Mm. Of course, blood sugar is important. Yes. So, I think uh, the issue of cholesterol, palpating, examining, examining yes, patients, examining. and then referring appropriately. Yes. There are many patients who have uh, intermittent claudication. For mm. those may not, uh, that word may be difficult. It's intermittent claudication is pain that occurs at the calf. Mm. When you're walking, you feel pain at the calf. And when you stop, the pain eases. Yes. If your patient is having that, then you need to refer for further radiological examination. Examination, indeed. Because there is treatment. There is bypass mm. you can do you can do angioplasty, mm. stenting mm. but for I mean, of this these are services that are available i don't know whether they are available in area, but i think they are
1: we, we do have a cardiothoracic uh, surgeon who comes uh, monthly yes. but then like even today funny enough yes. even today i've had a patient who had a blockage in the common iliac <laughs> and um, now is developing gangrene so we've had to refer them to Nairobi. So these are services that are not available everywhere. But I agree with you that palpation, physical examination, is yeah. just a very easy way of getting to see it early enough. Yeah. But the problem, Prof, is that sometimes we are so busy in the clinic. You have 30 patients out there. You don't have time to go examining feet. What, what, what um, advice would you give us out <clears throat> there who have so many patients, very little time, but yet we want to give comprehensive care?
0: I think he's working smart. Mm-hmm. Not working too much.
1: Yeah.
0: You know, when we came from training, we had a clinic in Kenya that was almost like that. Mm. But then <coughs> we realized that we, if we have a clinic that is run daily qualified nurses mm. and other paramedics,
2: mm.
0: it will ease the burden. Yes. And that's why we opened the diabetes clinic in
2: Canada, yes.
0: where we have our nurses, clinical officers, foot food care nurses. Yeah. So when you're seeing patient on the consultant clinic, then you don't have to see that, mm. because what the, the nurses can feel, and that's yes. and that's what's important. Yes. That uh, somebody sees the midday one, somebody can control the sugars. Yes. Because there's an issue of adjustment. Mm. But whether somebody requires an examination, where then after examination, you you set a base as to what the other clinicians will be using to follow. Yes. That helps a lot in, like that mm. and it doesn't matter whether the as long as you, you interest people mm. in this network in and they still need it yes even even uh, junior most of soon.
1: yeah that is so true so use the resources around you so i hope you've had that um where are the listeners yes so listeners i hope you have had that because i know that's a major problem out there where you have too many patients, very little time with the patients. So, prof's advice is work smart. Use people around you. Use the people's resources. Train the nurses on how to detect low pulses or uh, abnormal pulses. Use clinical officers and make sure that you have a team that is working together. So, that's a very, very good advice there. Um, So, prof, regarding uh, prophylaxis. So, there is some confusion out there. Sometimes you see a patient on aspirin and you're wondering why they're on aspirin. Then there are some who should be on aspirin or clopidogrel and they are not on it. So what advice would you give to people out there who are not very sure about when do you use prophylaxis, antiplatelets that is? It's
0: nice that you bring that issue because I think uh, first of all, we talked about lipid drugs.
1: Yes, lipid drugs.
0: Lipid drugs among the most important prophylaxis, yes, because they prevent an event that will come. Yes. By the time you need aspirin and other anticoagulant drugs, is that you didn't use the lipids in good time. Yes. Now aspirin is good if you, especially in the younger persons, much it's quite good. Mm-hmm. But I think in the elder is a bit risky because of bleeding. Bleeding. Mm. But that's why the the the, the, the Copidogrel group of drugs not doing much better.
2: Yeah.
0: And that and that's what pretty well. But I, I must emphasize lipids, aggressive treatment for lipids lipid. lipid mm. Is the most important prophylactic again at the major cardiovascular Yes.
1: And the dosage you're going to
0: use is Usually, diabetes diabetes has hypertension as obesity, mm. it's a multiple, <clears throat> it's a high risk patient. Mm. The, the a, you know when these drugs were introduced in this country, mm. they're very expensive.
1: The statins.
0: Yeah, yeah. so they would come as we uh, can have a small dose works. So this works for small doses. Mm. But the truth is now, no high dose statins. All your diabetic patients would be the, the way to go. Mm. I don't think if you have had anybody with lipid issues, you have any business using uh, like at first starting five. Mm, no. But you find it there. say,
2: yes,
0: those first starting five, and you're totally going to
1: 2.5. 2.5?
0: <laughs> but I do not know what you are achieving.
1: Mm.
0: Because I think what you want to achieve, other than lowering the cholesterol, is the issue of stabilizing the break. Yes. And the inflammatory components. Of the statins on these patients. Mm. The debate has also been when you're dealing with other the broader spectrum of the repeats, the HDL cholesterol, the, the triglycerides, what do you do with mm. them? And I think there is, the jury is still out mm. in terms of we know the importance of HDL, but yes. some studies are not saying it's so important. Mm. But LDL cholesterol, it must break down.
1: Yes. Yeah. So, uh, the take-home point is that, first of all, statins, all people with diabetes need statins. I think so. So, any person with diabetes who's not on statin, please put your patients on a statin. Because
0: if you look at the, mm. the current documentation, yes. the LDL has to go to below 1.9. Yes, it? yes. So, the, the 1.9, this literally, literally everybody. Yes. Literally, every yeah,
1: literally. Yes. And that can only be achieved well with the statin. Yeah. And then, for... A, an antiplatelet it depends on the risk of yeah. bleeding assess, assess the, risk, assess of the yeah. risk of bleeding
0: because like mm. now you have seen that uh, the direct the doors, call them? yes the DOACs. they have been now they're coming in
1: mm. and
0: uh the low dosage mm. I don't know whether there are trials that have come up completely on uh, on their matters disease, but they are big recommended mm. Uh, the, I, I know
1: the one you're saying. Uh, ticagrelol. Ticagrelol. Oh, yes. Or you know, the drugs that can use, mm. Yeah. Mm. So it, it just depends on which one is. Uh, yeah. But generally, clopidogrel is safer because it has less bleeding risk. Yeah. For DOAX, um, I. The people out there, perhaps it's not good for them to start using them right now. They can perhaps just refer yeah. and then the physician or cardiologist or endocrinologist can decide on. It's that.
0: it's nice mention that aspirin yeah. is quite cheap. Yes. This is available. Yes. So just assess your patient as well mm. and perhaps uh, advise them when to take it. Mm. And uh, perhaps also advise them what are the other signs of uh, breeding. So that yes. It does, yeah. Yes. Tools.
1: Yes, yeah. yeah. And uh, now that we are talking about complications, uh, Prof, because this is someone who came in with uh, complications that were discovered quite late. In your practice or in, in your vast experience, what do you think? Are we getting better at uh, looking for complications? <clears throat> um, because some in diabetes, <clears throat> you sometimes have to look for it. You don't wait for it to come. How good are we at screening for complications? I
0: think you know, like one of the things that I know and we're proud of ourselves is that in the diabetes of have trained enough doctors mm. who are qualified and has the knowledge yeah. and the ability to do that. And there are many. Mm. So that I think so. And I think uh, their knowledge is permitting down. Mm. But I think infrastructure, the, the, what's the, the infrastructure of healthcare in this country is very wanting. Mm. One thing I mean if you go to let's say you go to let's say the District or even the mm. level five or the other one, the clinicians there <clears throat> have are different from the clinicians you find in Naraka, you find mm. Mata, and I, I never know the reason that mm. uh, that that drive to to do better, change things. You know, when you decentralize a country, mm. I mean, you decentralize even the, the expertise in a way yes. that uh, the people of Muranga owns Muranga healthcare. Mm. You know what I'm saying? Mm. They are setting up standards for Muranga mm. healthcare. Yes. The same with all other counties. Mm. Not that at Afia House sets, mm. Afia House can oversee, but people should be encouraged to be the drivers. Mm. If you're getting people, many people entering the, the ISIS unit, for instance. Mm. Then, I think the, the health CEC should sit down with our people and say, can we decrease this rate of diabetes kidney failure yes. in this county? Yes. And they are focused on that county. Mm. So that when we're having a governor's meeting at mm. one day there' their summit, then they'll discuss diabetes or complication kidney complication, mm. and the trends in their counties, out there. Yes. It, it becomes a very important discussion. Mm. For the top actors of the county governments, mm. so that I think that's why the, the weakness that we think we need to address mm. is those weaknesses that people do not say that uh, the county governments it's just a political thing. Yes, they're supposed to deliver service, and mm. that that's the whole thing about mm. county governments to deliver service to the counties. Yes, incorporate, and uh, so that that becomes an issue. Yeah, and the health people should try and, and influence that decision making in those counties. Mm. Then we can answer like, that question: Are we going somewhere? Mm. because the way, the, way, the way things are now is that I I may be considered an expert but people do not want to be an expert in their place
2: mm.
0: if you look at the American system you have professors from literally every county, people mm. who are top researchers yes, top researchers, mm. making discoveries mm. now we want the University of Nairobi in Nairobi mm. all the moi the faro in Eldoret. In, in to be the one reading
2: yes
0: yet as a county of power to motivate your doctors yes to read
1: research research yes and
0: change the life of them mm. so <clears throat> i think some will tell but now i think we are in a better place mm. we have systems there are labs mm. i think we need also to encourage our people that uh, you don't need magic to do good
1: and you know now you've actually said something quite interesting um a few weeks ago I was at um ESD, the a big conference for diabetes world, attended worldwide. And some of the studies I saw there, I was shocked. Very simple studies. You know, studies <clears throat> for twenty people, a hundred people, things that we can literally do for ourselves here, but we just lack that extra um i don't know whether it is a culture of research i I don't know what exactly we are missing but i think we can do it if we decide and focus and decide you know we we can make a difference we can start doing this research and personally i i have i have put it as a target of mine to make sure that by next year i have done a research in uh, odaya knh because we have to make a difference it starts somewhere it's it's very important yes very important
0: and i think that's why we'll be able to answer that question yes yes but in, in terms of hospitals, I think hospitals are moving in the right direction. Yes. Whether well, it's, uh, it's manifesting the community, that's difficult. Yeah.
1: So that's a good uh, way of actually summarizing it, that we can, we can do more, we can do better wherever we are. Um, it takes also the county to listen, step in, so that they can give us the oversight and over, overhead, let's say. But at the end of the day, we need to have a collaboration between the medical team and the governance team.
0: But these doctors also must... Take that leadership in lobbying. yes. I think there's nothing that comes with a open. It's Because true. when your patients are doing well, you feel happy. Yes. So you lobby for your patients to do well. Yes. And if you keep on lobbying, people mm. will listen.
1: Yes. Yeah. That is true. The yeah. more noise you make, the
0: more they will listen.
1: The more they will listen. Mm. And uh, remember one of the Key goals of treating diabetes is to prevent complications. That's the main reason why we want the sugars to go low. We want It's not just so that we can have a nice sugar and look at it and feel happy. It's to reduce complications. So whatever we are doing, bringing the sugar to target, uh, screening is just to reduce complications. So we need to ensure that we go the extra mile, examine our patients like Prof said, look at your patients, make sure you've examined them from head to toe, refer them appropriately, make sure they have their annual eye checkup which we also sometimes forget to do, annual eye checkup. Ensure that if they have any issues with their pulse, you have sent them for scans, angiograms, send them to a cardiothoracic unit if need be. And nowadays, there are many things. It's not just amputations. I remember um, someone telling me the other day, uh, because we had we a had, uh, cardiothoracic who, who, uh, surgeon who came and removed a clot. Uh, he did an embolectomy and thrombectomy. And um, someone actually commented and said, you know, if this person was in um, one of the periphery hospitals, the leg would have been amputated. But because they had been able to get a cardiothoracic surgeon to do some extra uh, surgeries on the patient, the limb was saved. So let us make sure we refer as widely as we can. And also referral to endocrinologists for um, treatment. If your patient is not to target, if your sugars are not coming down, and uh, you still have very high hb one if you have high glycemic variability, these are things that you have to think about, refer appropriately. Wow. So it's been quite a nice one-hour, Prof. Um, I would like to ask you if you have any closing remarks before we summarize the cases that we've just talked about. Um, yeah, you can talk to the audience directly.
0: Uh, thanks, yeah. you. I, th- I think uh, Moscow, you for a job well done.
1: Oh, thank
2: you.
0: And I I quite, I mean, quite encouraged that we are moving in the right direction Yes. with the training. And I do hope, uh, like you said, our goal is to minimize patients going to dialysis, mm. patients who are getting blight from diabetes, mm. patients who are going to have lip amputation from yes. diabetes, and also improve their well being so that they're able to make breathing for themselves and their families. Yes. So that's the goal. And that's the goal that we should be focused on diabetes people live in life. Yes. I think that people should be told that diabetes is not a life sentence. Mm. It's not a death sentence. Insulin is not a death sentence. Mm. It makes your life better.
1: Wow. Mm. Thank you, Prof. So, to summarize, um, we have gone through three cases. We had Prof with us and really, Prof, I really enjoyed this session with you. You've given us such good insights and you've uh, actually taken us all the way from governance to patient-centered care, to how to talk to the patient. Like, you've really, really enriched the the topics of discussion today. So thank you so much. Yeah, and uh, so our listeners, you've seen the cases we've discussed. They're all issues that we face with our patients on a day-to-day basis, whether it be hypoglycemia, complications of diabetes, fear of insulin, cost of insulin new diagnosis, how to speak to patients, all those are things that we actually get on a day-to-day basis. And I hope you've learned something today. I hope you have taken something with you, whether it is how you're going to be running your clinic, whether it is how you're going to be speaking to your patients, whether it's how you're going to choose your medications, all these things are important because the decision you make with your client, you never know, would change the trajectory that they would go to. Perhaps just the way you speak to your patients, you're going to reduce the rate of amputations or the rate of dialysis in your center by 20% just because you understood and you talked to the patient the right way and therefore reduced complications. So be that person who makes a change, be the person who makes a difference, be the person who goes out of their way to ensure that the patient care and whatever surrounds the patient is actually a patient centered approach that is geared towards reduction of complications and ensuring that the patient is on the right medications at the right time and making sure that the right people are surrounding the patient. So thank you very much. I hope you've enjoyed the session. We have enjoyed for sure. And uh, if you want to see us again, let uh, us let's, let's uh, the, the, the Diabetes Connect team know, and then maybe we can come back. <laughs> Bye.
0: That's it for today. Log on to your documentary online portal, answer a few MCQs, and get your points. Bye-bye. Till next time.